Hey, thank you for tuning into our podcast today. My name is Derek Puckett. I'm the lead pastor at Renewal Church Chicago. If you want to know more information about us, you can go to our website, renewalchicago.com. I pray that this podcast today is a blessing and encouragement to your soul. Well, let's jump into the word today. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 5. How many of y'all came out to the event uh, this past week? It was a good time, right? Good time talking a little bit more and just being able to engage in that conversation on immigration and the gospel. We're going to do more of those coming up, so please keep looking at the events calendar. Look out for those as they come up in the next couple of months. Just want to further equip you with things that you have to navigate in the world today. So again, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 5. We've been walking through the Sermon on the Mount, um, the Beatitudes, and the way this sermon series came about, as I've been saying each week, is that we are continually asking the question, what does it look like to live in a world like today? What does it mean to be a Christian? How do I honor God with everything I have? How do I honor God with my life when everything around me is going crazy? So we're looking at the Beatitudes where Jesus is walking uh, through this Sermon on the Mount. So if you got it, Matthew chapter 5, we're going to be in verse 5 today. We're going to read our verses 1 through 5. We just added one more verse today. So if you got it, go ahead and stand on your feet. Matthew chapter 5. We read through the first five verses today. If you got it, say got it. All right. Matthew chapter 5, starting in verse 1, the text reads, says, Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted, and are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. These are the words of God. Amen. Amen. Today I want to preach on the meek person. Meek person. Can you say that with me? The meek person. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this morning. You're an awesome God. We thank you for just another time, God, where we're able to gather together. Where we're able to hear your word preach, God, where we're able to worship and come together as family. God, I pray one thing right now, Lord, that you'd hide me behind your cross, that your word would go forth. Decrease me, Father, so you may increase. Father, let these folks hear a word from you and not from me. God, we need you. We thank you for being here. It's in Jesus' name we pray all these things and everyone said together. Amen. 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 You can take a seat. Well, most of you know that I have five kids. If you're new here, I did not stutter. I have five beautiful kids. I got four queens and one little king. And I got a big queen at home, too. I have four girls. I didn't stutter about that either. I have four strong-willed girls, y'all. I need y'all to pray for my wife and I. There are four of them, and they ain't even hit puberty yet, y'all. I'm scared. No, I love my girls. I love them. But I got four strong-willed girls. And let me tell you about this a little bit. The, the, the oldest one, when she was really small, she's about two or three. And you know how you buy those, you know, those, those packages that, that, with the toys in and you can't get them out by just ripping them open? 
Y'all, y'all ever, y'all, if you got kids, you know what I'm talking about. Some of y'all still trying to struggle to get some packages open now. We're growing like, I don't know what to do with this. See, my, my daughter, Maya, she was about two or three, and she, she had this little package toy, and, uh, and she's, she's trying her best to just rip this thing open, go through it, and she's, she's ripping it, and she's tearing it. She's throwing it against the wall, and I'm like, Maya, my, 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 baby, baby, can I help you with that? Can I help you open it? And she said, no, Daddy, I got it. You know, she's trying to figure her way out. She's trying to show me how strong. She's like, I got it, Daddy. I said, okay. You sure you don't want me to help you with it? No, Daddy, I got it. I got it. I said, okay, baby. And I just watched her struggle with this, this package for about 20 minutes. And then finally, she came to me and she said, Daddy, can you help me with this? I can't do it. And I said, sure, baby. I took the package and I Use some scissors, and I opened it up. <laughs> and don't you know, she got to play with that toy freely for the rest of the day because she recognized she couldn't do it on her own. Hmm. Friends, here's my point. Many times in our lives, we struggle and we struggle with things just like my daughter, things that God has never intended for us to struggle with because they're outside of our control. We struggle. And let me ask you, you ever been, when's the last time you went to God and said, Daddy, can you help me with this? I can't do this, Daddy. Can you help me? When's the last time, better yet, you asked anyone for help? And when's the last time you cried out, I can't do this anymore. It's bigger than what I can do. I need some help. I cannot do this on my own. I mean, let let me ask you, you ever been at the place where you tried something so hard, you've been trying to make it happen, you've been trying to accomplish the task, and everything you do, even in all your strength, you can't seem to make it happen. You can't achieve what you're trying to achieve. You ever been there before? I mean, you, 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 you're at the place where you can't blame it anymore on anybody else. You can't blame it on your lot in life where you are. No matter how hard you try, you realize whatever you're trying to do or overcome, you finally got to the point where it's much bigger than you can handle. You ever been there before? Friends, are you like my daughter? Are you struggling sometimes? Are you struggling right now? Are you struggling with something? It's bigger than you can handle. You see, what happens when we get to these places is we either do one of two things when we get here. We either get down on ourselves and try to do better next time, or we realize our shortcomings, which causes one to be humble enough and be like my daughter and say, can you help me? See, this is what Jesus is trying to get at in this text. This is what he's getting at in this text. He's saying that there is a blessing in coming to grips with who you are, your mess, your shortcomings, and being humble enough to ask for help. Nobody, hear me, nobody has ever accomplished anything on their own. Jesus says, blessed are the meek because the meek understand they cannot make it on their own. They understand their limitations and say, I need help. Ask yourselves, if, if, if someone was to describe you right now, ask, would they describe me as a meek person? Would they describe you as humble? See, that's the question I want you to ponder as we walk through this text today. See, because here, here's the truth. Sometimes 
we will keep struggling and struggling and struggling, and God will just sit, he will wait, and he will watch until we recognize our frailty and our need for him. Friends, hear me. I believe God wants us to get to the point and to the place and stay there where we're dependent on him in everything because it's in our dependence, family, hear this, on him. It's it's in our dependence on him that we experience the true freedom that he wants us to experience being with him. Are you a meek person? That's the question. Now, as we jump into this text by way of review, if you've missed the last couple weeks as we walk through this Sermon on the Mount, Jesus has just sat down on the mountain where he's beginning to preach, he's beginning to teach his disciples, but because of the acoustics in the mountain, as he's sitting on the mountain, he's sitting there, he's not yelling, but as, as he begins to speak because of the acoustics, there's, there's thousands of people around, some that have been following Jesus, some that are not, all of them get to hear what Jesus is saying. Jesus knows this, and he continues to keep preaching the message. He doesn't stop because the people around. He says, no, 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 everybody's going to hear what I've got to say. So they all listen in to what Jesus is saying. So hence, this is what I continue to tell you. This message, this Sermon on the Mount, is not just for the believer, but it's also for the (laughs) non-believer. Jesus begins to preach, and, and the basic premise of the Sermon on the Mount is being a true disciple of Jesus, or shall we say living as a Christian in everyday life. That's been our theme for this series. How do we live as Christians in an everyday world? He begins by saying the word blessed in verse 3. Y'all see that? He says the word blessed, and as I've told you in the past weeks, when we keep reading as you see the word blessed over and over again. When something is repeated over and over again, it's kind of like somebody tugging on your coattail or your kid saying, daddy, 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 mommy, mommy, over and over again. They're, They're trying to get your attention. So in this text, when Jesus keeps saying the word blessed, he's trying to get our attention because he wants us to pay attention to this word because it's important. So you can't miss it. That means we got to talk about it. See, this word bless, other words pronounced makario in the Greek, it implies an inward satisfaction or sufficiency that doesn't depend on outward circumstances for happiness. I'm going to keep saying this because we still get this word blessed mixed up all the time. Even though I've been talking about it, y'all still, I'm going to get my blessings. I'm going to get my blessings. No, no. The, the, the word blessed is not, is not built upon your circumstances. It's, a, it's where an inward satisfaction or sufficiency that's not dependent on the, the stuff outside of it. This word could be read happiness. That's another word. But it's deeper than that because it, it, it's a deep happiness. It's an inward satisfaction. It's not dependent on your happenings. My pastor used to say that. I love it. Happiness independent on your happenings. Come on now. So, so, so if you miss what I've said in these weeks past, the Christian is not blessed because of what they have or have been able to do. No, no, no. The Christian is blessed because of what Christ has done on your behalf when he took your sins and he died on the cross for you. So now we're covered By the grace of Jesus Christ, and we get to experience the blessing and joy of being with him for all eternity in heaven, away from this world one day. See, that's the blessing. So what this means is that what, what happens to you in this world, don't miss this, what happens to you in this world or what happens around you, it does not define you. It doesn't define you. Too many of us are getting defined by what's happening around us. No, no, no. The Christian is not defined by what's happening around you as a believer because you're you're blessed and promised eternal life, which means that there is an eternal joy that nobody or any circumstance can take from you. You know why? Because God gave it to you. 
This is why the Christian can and should praise God in the good times and in the bad times. This is why when one sins or rebels against God and then repents, turning from self, there's an action that takes place. You turn from self and turn to God because he's better. When one repents now, knowing what they did in the past, there's no more wallowing in self-pity anymore when you turn back to God because now your life is no longer defined by what you do or what you have done, but instead the Christian, don't miss this, is defined by how God looks at Jesus. And when God looks at Jesus, he's always, well, he's always saying, well done, my son. Well done, my daughter. So when he looks at you, no matter what you do, he's saying, well done. Jesus has died and covered our sins as we believe. That's freeing, family. That's freeing, and that's good news because now I can work and I can live from a place of freedom today knowing that heaven awaits me one day. So no trial, no trouble can get me down because my joy or my blessedness, if you may, comes from God. See, understanding this truth allows the believer to live joyfully and blessed today because they know what awaits them. Hence, as I've told you before, the blessings of God are both now and not yet because the true blessing that comes from God is not here. It's in a new heaven and new earth where there's no more pain. There's no more sadness. There's no more mourning. See, that's the blessing we wait on. But that promise keeps us blessed and joyful today because we know we serve a good God who's for us and not against us. Now, in these Beatitudes, there's something I haven't touched on, I haven't told you yet. And my grandfather in the faith, Crawford Loritz, he puts it this way. He says there's three things to notice in all of the Beatitudes. You might want to write this down. There's three things. These words, the word blessed, see that? The word are and the word for. Whereas you read, they all say blessed are, blank, 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 for. You see those words? Now, hear me. The word blessed represents a person or individual state. It represents their state. The word R represents a person's condition. And the word for represents your purpose or meaning. So again, you got blessed equals state, R equals condition, for equals purpose or meaning. Friends, this is important, and it brings more meaning to the Beatitudes. So you don't want to miss this because many times our condition can contradict our state. Hence, blessed or happy, but hear me, our state of being blessed is never determined by our condition, but instead it's determined by our purpose and meaning. Y'all with me? See, this again is why I've told you over and over again that your joy or happiness as a believer is not rooted in your condition or circumstance. It's right here in the text. But instead, when you look at the purpose in verse 3, for example, the, poor, the person that's poor in spirit is blessed because eternity is promised to them. Y'all see that? Remember, your state is not determined by your condition, but by your purpose and meaning. Friends, it's another sermon for another day, but family, this, this is why some of us are so messed up today. Because we're looking at our condition and determining our state. So if I'm sad or if I'm depressed, I must not be blessed. 
You see that? So, 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 we try, so what we do is we, we try to change our condition to dictate our state. And the reality of this is that you're blessed as a believer regardless of your condition, whether it's good or bad, because now being in Christ, you're rooted in an unchangeable God. So therefore, your condition can change over and over again. You can wallow in your mess up and down all over the place. But the one thing that won't change, the one person that won't change is God. He won't change. So what this means is that no matter what you do, you're hidden as a believer in Christ. He's going to continue to say, well done. I'm going to keep saying that to you. Because I want you to believe this. Don't mix these up or you'll miss everything in this text. You'll miss what he's saying in all the Beatitudes. Don't forget this as we walk through this text today. Last week, we looked at uh, Jesus saying, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Again, if you look at the state, condition, and the purpose and meaning in that verse right there, the state of being blessed and the condition of mourning, they don't make sense, right? I, I'm mourning. I don't feel I'm, How am I blessed? I don't feel blessed when I'm mourning. But then when you look at the purpose and meaning, the blessed, it makes sense. Because it says that they shall, the, ble- the mourning person shall be comforted, hence future tense, because you don't mourn without hope. You mourn with hope because you know what awaits you. It's saying that you shall be comforted. And my Bible tells me in Revelations 21, 3 through 4, I already told y'all this, that there's a new heaven and a new earth that's coming with no pain, no sadness, no mourning, no trials, no murder, no corruption, no politics, no none of that. But it's going to be peace between man and God. so, So hear me, it's okay to mourn today. It's okay to mourn your state. It's okay to mourn your stage of life. It's okay to mourn losing a loved one. The question is, how do you mourn? Are you mourning with hope or without hope? That's the question. Now, hopefully this will help you as we walk through our text today, that that, that whole state, condition, and purpose and meaning. See, our text today says, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Now, let me ask you, what do you commonly think of when you hear the word meek? You think, you think strong, shy, timid, nice, wallflower? I mean, being meek, it has so many associations. But when we think of the word meek, almost all of those associations are negative. See, we live in a dog-eat-dog world where being meek in its definition, when we think of it, we think weakness. You see, when we look at the Bible, in a biblical sense, this word is more pointed towards the person who's humble, doesn't have to assert themselves. Maybe they're other-centered in everything they do, but see, the problem with this still is in that definition, we still think of weakness. See, reason being is that These are the type of people in society that commonly get overshadowed. They get overshadowed because they're not the loudest one in the room. They might not have the most extroverted personality. These are the folks, sadly, the meek and and, and the truly humble in society, they're looked at as doormats. They're underappreciated. Because nobody wants to be meek because we think of weakness. 
And, and see, here's what you don't know. When, when you look at this text and you, look, you put it in the context where Jesus is actually saying this, blessed are the meek, this would have not been popular then either. See, in the Greco-Roman world, humility was not valued by the people back then. And in many ways, as today, it was a sign of weakness. See, in our modern English idiom, this word meek is hardly one of the honorable words of our lifetime. Again, it comes with this idea of being spineless. You don't have any backbone. You're subservient. It it paints the picture of a submissive and ineffective, I just said the S word, submissive and ineffective person. It's like the old Leo DeRocher statement where he says, nice guys finish last. Y'all ever heard that? Nobody want to be nice. Nice guys finish last. Meekness, gentleness, or humility is not valued in society. But hear me, don't miss this because I don't want you to miss what's really going on. It just so happens that the word meek in the Greek, prows, prows, this word in the Greek, is one of the great Greek ethical words because in its original language, don't miss this, it means to exercise God's strength under God's control. Or to demonstrate power without undue harshness. Don't miss that. Let me say it again. It means to exercise God's strength under God's control. Or to demonstrate power without undue harshness. So in this case, this is why it's important to kind of study the the original language a bit. Because this word meek in our language today only carries some of the original meaning with it. But either way, I don't want you to miss this. What I'm really trying to get at is that true meekness or humility is a condition or place of strength and not weakness. And because we think of meekness in a worldly sense, we come in, we, we, we miss the premise. We miss the, the main point that Jesus is trying to get at when he says, blessed are the meek in this beatitude. First off, as I explained, I... I it would, have, it would have gotten everyone's attention because Jesus is saying something that's contrary to culture right now. They don't like being called meek. They, they don't like that. Which, it, it, they don't like it. Nope, nobody wants to be meek. I mean, but hear me, family. Jesus is getting at something that's much, much deeper than your mere outward appearance, what you do or a person's disposition. That's not what he's really speaking to. Jesus is getting at this understanding that everyone is a sinner, Said everyone, everyone, good or bad, there's something in us that misses the mark. We're we're unable to handle life on our own. That's what he's trying to say. He's saying that the people, people have to get to the end of themselves knowing that who they are and their problems are much bigger than they can handle or fix on their own, which causes one to become meek or humble. Tim Keller, a pastor in New York, he says it this way says, when you begin to see your problems are beyond you, and when you have seen your problems are not something you can blame on your lot in life, your genes, or your parents, but on sin, what do you do then? You can go either way. One is you can say, yes, I see my problems are beyond me, and it galls me. I can see I can't please God, but I ought to. So I'm going to sit here, and I'm going to kick myself, and I'm going to feel bad, and I'm going to be angry at the world for it. Says the other approach is meekness. You can humble yourself when you see your sin, and then you will not be discouraged. 
See, family, what, what Jesus is trying to get at in this text is that all of us, at some point in our lives, we will mess up. We will fail. We will be inadequate at something. We will look at our lives and think of ourselves as a wreck or a mess. If you haven't got there, you'll get there at some point, some point in your life. We will all fail or, sad, or be saddened that we didn't reach our goal or, or where we thought we should get to in our life. And we have to come to this place where we process coming to the grips with who we are. And we usually do it one of two ways. We either sit in self-pity as this woe, with this woe is me type of attitude and seek, 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 seek to try to do better. Because, it, because if we're honest, let's be honest, if we're a Christian or non-Christian right here, when stuff happens bad in our lives or things don't go our way, we don't just sit there and say, well, I'm going to go ask somebody for help. We usually just come, to, come back into ourselves and like, I can do better next time. I got this. You see, because see, we think we're better than we actually are. It's, it's when we say, I can't believe I just did this thing again. Oh, my gosh. Some of us were there last night. Some of us are there that, this last week. I can't believe I just did this. I can be better than this. I know I'm better than this. I, got, I have the strength to get through this. I can make it. And see, what happens is that sometimes there's things in our lives that are out of our control or they're too deeply rooted that in our own power, we can't change or get over no matter how hard we try. Sometimes it's out of our control. See, what I'm getting at is that within and all of us, as Tim Keller was saying, there exists sin. Sin broken down is just an archery term, which means to miss the mark, where if you, you took a bow and arrow, just go with me for a minute. Any of y'all ever shot a bow and arrow before? It's hard. Don't mess up. You pop your arm. It's a bow and arrow. You're pulling it all the way back. You're pulling it back, back as far as you can, and, and you're looking down the scope. You got that arrow pulled back. You see the bulls out, bulls out there. You're like, man, I'm going to hit this bullseye. And you pull it back, and you, you, you let it go. You let it fly. You're pretty sure you're going to hit the bullseye, and you keep missing it. Then you keep trying over and over again. And no matter how hard you try, you keep missing the mark. And the mark of sin, what it's talking about is holiness. God desires for us to be holy. He desires for us to be perfect, and we keep missing the mark in our own strength, which is why we keep saying to ourselves, I can't believe I just did that. I can't believe I can't hit this mark because we all believe we want to be holy because God created us to be holy. Hear me, we say this because God made us in his image. I can't believe I, I did this. I, I should be hitting the mark because inside of us, we yearn for perfection, that's how he created us. But instead of running to our maker when we mess up, you know what we do? We run inward to ourselves. I can do it. I can make it happen. Or we wallow in our mess and, and, and sadness. I can't do it. I don't know what to do. See, I, I call it the crazy maker. You just keep doing the same thing over and over again, trying to expect to say a different result. I mean, it's the crazy maker. And, yet, and yes, y'all hear me. There are some things. I know some of y'all are like, I can do some things in my own strength. Yes, there are some things you can do in your own power. We can practice playing basketball and our jump shot on the court. And, and I will say this. Some of y'all, because some of y'all just going to stay sad. I mean, some of y'all can, can and keep practicing that jumper over and over again. And eventually, you might hit a few of them. You, you're going to hit them. You won't brick all of them. You'll hit a few of them. as Y'all see the flick of the wrist? As you, you, if you keep shooting, you will hit some jumpers, right? 
You can work on your jump shot. You can work at math. You can work at English and you can progress. You can work a little harder at your job and you might get a raise. You can achieve accolade after accolade and we will continue to try to do more and be the best at what we can because hear me, inside of us, y'all, we were created for more. And even more specifically, we, when we, we, we were created to be in total perfection and, and, and we were created with these eternal longings because we were, we were formed and shaped in eternity because we were formed by eternal God and a perfect God. So hear me, but here's the problem. Neither one of those things can be achieved by just mere work ethic or believing in yourself. Being all you can be, being the best me, trying to live for me, make the most out of life, YOLO, that, it doesn't work. It doesn't work because God never made us to be the best me. He never made us to just live up to our own expectations, which then leaves us in this place of discouragement. Because without a correct understanding of, of sin, we don't know what to do or where to turn. So we either accept our inadequacy and, we fa and our failure to live in our sin or we just start validating it. Or number two, in our meekness, we turn to God and say, I need you. See, all of us battle with this. We all have this high standard within us that has not been put there by us, but it's been put there by God. He created us with this longing desire for perfection like him, but we will never reach it apart from him because of sin and our natural inclination to rebel against him. And this goes for everybody. The Christian, the non-Christian, we will all fail at one point or another in our lives trying to seek perfection by ourselves. Some of y'all still don't believe me, okay? You cannot be the best spouse you can be by yourself. I ain't even have to ask for amen on that one. You are going to fail your wife. You're going to fail your husband. You can't be the best mommy or daddy by yourself. You're going to fail your kids at one point or another. Hopefully, I'm freeing somebody. You cannot be the best child by yourself. You are going to fail your parents at one point or another. You can't be the best student. You will fail. You can't be the best boss or employer. You will fail. We will fall at one point or another. Hear me. I can't be the best pastor I will fail you at one point or another, apart from the Holy Spirit. I promise I'm going to fail you all over, all the time. Hear me, all of us will fail at something or fail someone in our lives at one point or another because we are not perfect. We're not perfect, and we cannot be perfect apart from Christ. So hear me, being meek, being meek in the sense that Jesus is talking about in this text Jesus is saying that it's one recognizing their need. It's recognizing their need and saying, apart from God, what I, I long for, I cannot and will be found. 
The Lord, the Lord God, hear me, y'all, did not make us so that we, can, we could be satisfied by ourselves with who we are, who we made ourselves out to be. He made us, don't miss this, he made us to be with him forever. He wants to be with us forever. He says, blessed are the meek for they inherit the earth. You know, that, that's an inheritance. He, he wants to give you the earth. He wants to, he's for you, not against you. Family, listen to me. Jesus didn't die so that you can be the best you ever. Christianity is not about you being the best you. I'm messing up somebody's theology. Modern-day Christianity has made this self-prosperous claim on Christianity where it's all about you living your best life now and being all you can be. And nowhere in the Bible is that true. We will not be the best we can be until we meet Jesus face to face. That's not happening on this earth. Being a Christian is not about you being glorified. It's not about you living up to your own standard. Being a Christian is about bringing glory to God with our lives. And in bringing him glory, we are satisfied because we're living as he made us. Because hear me. If we treat Jesus like a genie in a bottle, which we commonly do, let me, let me rub you the right way, Jesus. Come on, do this thing for me. Just, just get on my plan, Jesus. We commonly do this, and what ends up happening is that we're commonly, we're always disappointed because he doesn't work that way. And when we believe him to work that way, when things don't go the way that we want them to go and our self-made plan didn't go the way and he didn't get with our plan, now what ends up happening is that not only are we discouraged, but we're also disappointed with God because God didn't work in my favor the way that I thought he was supposed to work. But here's the reality. You had it messed up from the beginning. You went to God for you instead of going to God for him. You didn't want to get to know him. You didn't want to know the plan he had for your life. You want him to get with your plan. That's not how he works. I mean, if, if we call ourselves a believer in Jesus Christ, then we are to walk in his ways. And if one pays attention to the way Jesus lived, although he was God in the flesh, he never lived to bring glory to himself. He's constantly always seeking to bring glory to God, his father. Like in John 5, 30, he says these words. Look at them with me. He says, I could do nothing on my own. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just because I seek me. Watch this. I seek not my own will but the will of him who sent me. See, Jesus models in his life the ultimate humility or meekness, placing his own deity to the side, becoming one like a servant or a slave, takes on sins that are not his own, and then he dies on the cross for each one of us here in this room. That's humility. He, he put himself to the side. I don't think y'all realize what I'm saying. He puts himself to the side for the sake of other people, and to serve his father well. I mean, now, now, friends, hear me. If Jesus being sinless, him being perfect, no issues, no blemish, n- nothing, 100% God and 100% man all at the same time, this is God in the flesh. If Jesus could humble himself, then how much more shall we humble ourselves with all our mess and our own shortcomings? I mean, let's think about it. But I know, I know, I know you're still sitting there and you're saying, well, that's not what I want to do. No, that, that's weak. 
Nobody wants to admit, I don't want, my, I don't want to tell my, I don't want nobody to know my shortcomings. No, 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 nope. I'm okay. I, I, I'm good. I don't want to be vulnerable. That's weak. We don't want to put ourselves to the side. We want to be acknowledged. We want to be noticed. Look at me. Look at what I did. We want to be like Michael Jordan. We, we, we want to be like the business owner who has the facade of strength and everything that we want. But in reality, strength doesn't come from what we do or what we're ever able to put together. Strength comes from within. And, and, and here's the truth. The truly meek person is the one that does not trust solely in their own hands to make everything happen in this life. This is the person who's able to accept their internal inadequacy, internal. I'm not talking about what you can do, your internal inadequacy and truly trust God in all their ways. The text says they will inherit the earth, which means that God will take care of them. He can take care of you and me better than we can take care of us. He says they will inherit the earth. It means that he will lead and guide them in all their ways for their good. One of my favorite scriptures is Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. It says these words. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean to your own understanding. And in all your, own, your ways, acknowledge him. And he will, here it is, make your straight, your straight your paths. He'll make straight your paths. This means that believers are to acknowledge God in all their ways, the big and the small things, knowing that he will direct your path, which means that if I want to buy a car, if I want to buy a house, if I want to get married, if I want to buy this item off the shelf, I have to ask the question, did I, did, did I go to my father first? Did, did I ask him, should I do this in prayer? Did, did I spend time with him? Because even, here's the thing, y'all may be looking at, I, I could do all of those things without praying. Even though you can do it in your own power, that, me, that may not mean that you need to do it. Okay, let me, let me talk about this. And, and, and it's because this, hopefully this will help some of you guys. Because just because you can do something, it doesn't mean you should do it. Just because you can do something does not mean you should do it. See, too many times we get caught in spaces in our lives and places we shouldn't be or get overwhelmed because we took on something that we shouldn't have. You see, the meek person says, although I can do it, God, should I do it? Because the Bible says, this is why, it means Jeremiah 17, 9 through 10, it says, the heart, watch this, the, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. And who can understand it? Talking about our hearts. And he says, I, the Lord, not us, I, the Lord, search the heart and test the mind to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his deeds. Which means, hear me, again, th th there's, there are things that we can do in our own power. We can make some things happen, and our hearts may be telling us that it's right. It, it may feel right to date this person right now. It may feel right to take this job right now. It may feel right to buy this item. It may feel right to take on this next task that's ahead of me. But the question is, do we understand our own plight and inclination to end up where we're not supposed to be at times and then in that have the humility to choose to seek direction from God? Do we recognize 
our own plight and, and, and where we want to go a lot of times sometimes doesn't line up with God. I mean, I mean, it's simple. Did you even pray before you chose to do what you did? I'm not talking about long prayer. I'm talking, God, please give me some direction, discernment right now. I need you, Lord. Sometimes I think we just like being in tough situations. We just like having a hard, a hard life and it being messy. And, and sometimes we like to go through it because, like, I, I'm the hero. I made it out of that thing. I can do it. And, and the text is telling us there's a much easier way. Just trust God. Be meek. Family. But in all honesty, as we get ready to end, being meek is tough. It's tough. And it's a really hard place to stay because there's many things we can do in our own power. But hear me, the believer acknowledges God in everything because their life is not their own. They, they were created by God. We were created by God. So, so, so the believer's aim when they give their life to Jesus is not for their own purpose or satisfaction on this earth, but for God's purpose and his satisfaction, which hear me, don't miss this, is for us to be with him not only today, but forever in glory. Hear me. The truly humble or meek person doesn't live in discouragement. They don't live in discouragement because instead of a self-pity, when they see their shortcomings, they just accept them, say, this is me, God, and lean into God. Friends, that's tough. That's, that's tough because when when. when when, when you first see your sin or you first see your issues, you start to see things are much bigger than you can handle and you can fix on your own. The first response is always a selfish one. It's always to say, oh, what a mess I am. What a wreck I am. I mean, I'm so wretched. I'm a failure. After all, I'm never going to be able to reach my goals. I can't get there. And hear me, that's self-pity. And sadly, if we're honest... That's the place where most of us live. That's the, that's the place where most of us operate from. I can be better. That, that, that's some of us here today. And, and, and God is saying, here, it's good. It's good that you have recognized that your issues are bigger than you can handle. It's good. But instead of fighting or continue to fight that, instead of wallowing in your mess, woe is me. Saying, be like my daughter and say, Daddy, can you help me? Daddy, can you help me? See, that's true repentance. That's turning from self, acknowledging one's sin or will to drive their own life and saying, I can't do this anymore. And now you turn to Jesus, recognizing what he did on the cross, taking your sins to the grave, saying, I died once and for all for the past, the present, and the future since come to me so I can give you rest. Come to me. I will, I'm for you. I'm, I'm never against you. Come to me, meek and, and lowly and humble, and you will inherit the earth. He says, come to me. I am your father. I want to be with you now and forever. Friends, the meek person lives from a place of repentance, acknowledging their need for Jesus every day and in all things. See, God wants us to be holy and perfect. And if we're honest this morning, 
We want to be holy and perfect too. But we cannot do so apart from Christ. We need Jesus. So let me ask you, are you a meek person? You recognize your need. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for your goodness. God, I just give you praise and all the honor. God, I thank you that you don't leave us in the place where we have to do all things on our own. God, I thank you that our lives are not left up to us. God, I thank you that we can turn to you in the midst of our sorrow, in the midst of our sadness, in the midst of our pain, in the midst of us recognizing that we can't make it on our own and you are there for us. God, I just pray that we will remember, even in the things that we know we can do or accomplish, that we will remember to always turn to you. Because everything we do or have or get to do on this earth is a privilege. God, I pray that we never forget that. Let us be a meek people. Let us be a humble people. Because without you being humble first, we wouldn't be here. Jesus, we thank you for your sacrifice. We give you all the glory and the honor this morning. We pray all these things in the mighty name of Jesus and everyone said together, amen. Thanks again for listening to our podcast today. I pray again that it was a blessing and encouragement to your soul. And I hope to see you at one of our services at 10 a.m. Take care. God bless you. Sure.